How we doing, church family? Good to see you guys. You made it. You didn't freeze to death. Does it feel nice in here, though? Is it good we have people that pay tithes so we can have heat in the building? Amen. Good to see you guys. Hey, uh, if y'all think it's cold here, we heard from our Fayetteville campus pastor this morning, uh, Seth Tomboli, and it is, it's like, like 15, 20 degrees colder in Northwest Arkansas than it is here. Last night, they had all the faucets dripping. They had extra heaters and all that in the building. It was so cold, everything still froze. So they showed up to church this morning. None of the toilets were working. No water was running. He was a little concerned. So he reached out, we started praying and about 30 minutes before service started, all the water started dripping again. Come on, power <laughs> prayer. God's good. If you have your Bibles, Bible apps, you can turn to John chapter 15. That's gonna be the main text. We're not gonna start there, but we're gonna get to that. Probably no surprise there. Pretty famous passage of scripture when it comes to talking about being planted and having roots. But I wanna start with a couple others. One in Job, if you're in the reading plan right now, uh, the the Bible recap, then we're, we're almost through Job. And I'm always thankful when I can finally finish Job so I can not be as depressed anymore. But uh, but this is what he said. His roots dry up below and his branches wither above. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 30, it says, and the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again, everybody say again, take root downward and bear fruit upward. And this is the picture of a fruitful life. When you have the right roots in the right place, you will put down roots deep, wide that'll produce much fruit. Last week, we talked about the expectations that God would have that his word outlines for us when it looks like we are bearing fruit. The fruit of our lips, the words that we have, the worship, the praise that we have, the fruit of our life is the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. There is holiness and righteousness that's demonstrated, but there's also the fruit of our labor. How when God is working in us, there's an outpouring in how we work, how we serve, how we give. When God is pouring into us, we can't help but overflow into good works. How many of you know somebody who likes to predict stuff? How many of y'all know somebody that likes to predict stuff? How many of y'all know somebody that likes to predict stuff and they're a little bit of a conspiracy theorist at the same time? Those are fun people to hang out with, right? They always got some weird stuff to say. But there are people that like to predict stuff uh, like the weather. Okay, people like to predict the weather. I don't know what's gonna happen tonight. It may be no snow, it may be eight feet. We just don't really know. But I love being around these people that love predicting the weather. And uh, I've heard people say stuff like, like my knee hurts, so it's gonna, we're gonna have weather next month. We got my knees hurting. And I don't know why they talk in that accent, but they just do, okay? And I would make fun of those people until I'm one of those people now. Like my knee hurts. And I'm like, oh, there's got parametric pressure's dropping. There's a big old front coming down. I'm telling you right now. And I talk that way every time I feel that. Okay. I don't know why. I just do. But you do have the weathermen. And that is the sweetest gig that anybody can have, I think, right? Because as a weatherman, you only have to be right like 50% of the time and you can keep a job. Is there any other career when you can be wrong that much and still keep a job? I don't think so. Can you imagine doctors? I'm like, well, it's 50-50 this time. We'll see how, how it works out for us. We'll see. I know I probably wouldn't be a very good pastor if I was right only 50% of the time. So, but they get to do that. How about sports games? People like to predict that. How many of y'all predicted that Michigan was going to win the national championship? How many of y'all? Okay. A couple liars in the house. All right. 
That's fine. We're glad you're here. It's a hospital for sinners. Uh, everybody in the South is just like, no, it's all rigged. It's all rigged. There wasn't an SEC team in it, so it's rigged. Totally rigged. How many of y'all think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl? Okay, a real Cowboy fan will not raise their hand right now because you know you just doomed yourself by raising your hand. You don't want to do that. How about the election? Who's going to win that? Let's do a show of hands. Who are you guys voting for? I'm joking. We won't do that. Well, <laughs> you're laughing, but it's like an awkward laugh. Like, yeah. yeah, it's funny. A little tension, a little tension around that. Jesus returning. People have tried to get that right, and they've been wrong every single time. I know because we're still here. So I'm glad they're wrong. Otherwise, we'd all still be here, and we'd have a problem. But the truth is this. I can bet and I can predict probably with a lot of accuracy what your life will look like in one year based off of how your roots look right now and how you're taking care of them. Especially as a pastor, you know, you've been around this long enough. I can look at you. I can look at your friends. I can look at your lifestyle. I can look at the things that you're doing and say, I know exactly what this is going to look like. I can look at your marriage, I can look at your kids, I can look at all that and I can say, I know what this is gonna look like in about a year. Moody said it this way, it is a solemn thing to think that the future will be the harvest of the present. And it is, your roots of today will be the harvest of your future. And this week I wanna talk to you about how to have better roots. How you can have better roots so you can have Better fruit versus bitter roots that ultimately will produce bitter fruits. If you look at your life and you want to be better, you want to have better fruit, it's all going to come from your roots. You want to have better relationships. You want to have better thinking, better vision, better spiritual strength. It's all tied to your roots. So let's go to our text in John chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 1 through 2 and then verse 5. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And I think that is a profound statement because this is Jesus speaking, but he says that his father would even look at him and says he cuts off things in me that, sh that are not of him, that bear new fruit, no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it'll bear even more fruit. And it goes on in verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at the contrast there. Remain in me, much fruit. You don't, nothing. Not like a little, nothing. How can that be? Because we are either producing what is eternal or, we or we're producing stuff that's not eternal and it doesn't matter. It's either a lot of fruit that matters or it's nothing. We can produce nothing apart from him. A couple of things about godly fruit in your life first I wanna talk about. First of all, fruit is visible. Fruit is visible, okay? Like if you went to the Kroger's or the Walmarts, I don't know why we put S's on those because there is no S, but why? if you went to the Kroger's or to the Walmarts and you went over to the produce section, you're not gonna walk around the produce section thinking, I wonder what secret fruits they have hidden right now. I wonder what secret vegetables they have back that they're not selling to me. You're never gonna go up to somebody like, hey, I know you got some secret stuff back there hidden away. I wanna know what it is. What's the secret fruit that you're not selling? No, what you see 
is what's available. What you see is what's for sale. So this is not a really complicated principle. You can see fruit. So if you hear, hear people say something like this, it may be hard to tell. You may not be able to see it, but I really love Jesus. I'm sorry, but that's wrong thinking because fruit is visible. Tony Evans said it this way, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be found innocent on all charges? Because as believers, it should just be obvious. It should be clear by the fruit we produce. Also, fruit does not exist for itself. The only fruit that eats itself is rotten fruit. And I can't handle rotten fruit. Like a little bit of mold, even bruised or overripe, it's gotta go. One reason why I don't like it is fruit flies. I hate fruit flies. I can always tell, it's like throw out all the fruit anywhere around our house right now. Go to the neighbors, tell them to throw out their fruit too. Because I don't like fruit flies. They start flying around everywhere. But some of you, a little bit of mold on your fruit, on your strawberries, your blueberries, you just scrape that stuff off and eat it anyway. And I wanna let you know that God and I have a problem with that. Like, I don't think it's okay. Pumpkins are the worst. It's the fall, let's decorate. So you put a few out on your porch and then you leave them there. Let's carve pumpkins, okay. But they're supposed to stay there for like a couple days. But you don't leave them for a couple of days. You leave them for weeks and then they rot and the man has to go clean them up. You know what it's like cleaning up a rotten pumpkin? Pumpkin? Oh, I'll tell you this. You can't pick them up. Your hands go right through them. It just dissolves and they, they reek. They're nasty. So thank God that Halloween devil fruit won't be in heaven. Amen? But, but the point is this. Fruit exists so someone can enjoy it. Why does God want you to be exceedingly fruitful? So that lots of other people can take a bite out of your life and see his goodness. So how to have better roots that produce godly fruits. Number one, roots must be planted. They gotta be planted. Psalm 92, 13 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You get to choose where you're gonna put your roots, the roots of your life. In Genesis 13 and 14, it tells a story. We're not gonna read through it, but I wanna summarize it. And I promise you, I'm not taking it out of context, but God promised Abraham that he was going to bless him, that he was going to bless him and generations after him. And boy, did he bless him so much that even those that were around him, including his family, received the benefit of that blessing, including his nephew Lot. And they were so blessed and had so many herds of sheep and cattle and so many possessions that it was overtaking all the land. And at one point, all the sheep herders and the men, both in Abraham's camp and Lot's camp, they started getting in these conflicts with each other because they were trying to move their herds to a section of water or grass. And they're like, no, I was gonna move there. And so there was this conflict. And at one point when that conflict got really severe, Abraham told Lot, hey, this land's too small for us. 
So we're, we're going to split up. And, and this, here's the thing. If you want to go over there, then I'll go over there. If you want to stay here, then I'll go over there. You make the decision. You pick. And whatever you pick, I'll go somewhere else. And it says that Lot saw some land that was well watered and lush and perfect in his eyes. And that's key. It looked good to him. And he chose that place. And that is just like God. God gives you the choice. God gives you the free will to choose where you want the roots of your life to be planted. The Bible says that Lot chose a place, and that place, get this, was near Sodom. Like the Sodom. Like even non-believers know that Sodom was not a good place. Like it's famous for how sinful it was. It says in Genesis 13, three, now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Abraham, on the other hand, he headed towards Hebron. And it says that when he got there, he built an altar and settled there. An altar represented a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, a physical declaration of faith and trust in God. Do you see the choices? You can plant your roots close to the world, as close to the world as possible, or you can plant it in the presence of God. The world or his word, you choose. But you have to be planted. You have to be planted. Because if you're not planted, you don't produce anything. But so many of our lives look like that too. Like how close can I be to the things of this world? How close can I be and still love Jesus? Because it's really attractive. It looks good. It looks like, man, that looks like success. That looks like a place where I'll succeed. And so you'll plant your roots there. But the writing is on the wall. Because eventually that world will overcome you. The next time we see Lot in the scripture... He's no longer living near Sodom. It says in Genesis 14, 12, they also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. The problem is if you mess around trying to plant your roots just close to the things of this world, eventually you'll become the things of this world. You'll be right in the middle of it. You'll be living in the middle of it. So you have to choose. You have to choose where you're going to be planted. And if you choose to be planted around the things of God, then you've got to be all in. You've got to make the decision. Like, I'm not just going to hover around this place. I'm going to get settled. Cody's got a lemon tree. I bought her a lemon tree a few years ago for her birthday with the intent of having lemons. And, uh, but we've moved a couple of times and to this point, that lemon tree is still in, it's just in a pot. It's in a, a good sized pot, but it's still just in a pot. And so what has happened is every year around the seasons, it has these blooms and it is amazing. They're beautiful flowers 
and it is one of the best smells you've ever had in your life. Like the, the, the blooms or the flowers from a lemon tree, incredible, incredible smell, okay? And typically the amount of blooms and flowers should be an indicator of how much fruit is going to come. But so far, since having our lemon tree, that lemon tree has produced one lemon a year. And not even like, it's like a little, little tiny lemon. Why? Because until those roots can be planted in the soil, they will never reach their full potential. As long as it's still in that pot, it will have seasons where it looks like everything's good. It'll have seasons where it seems very pleasant to everyone around it. But the reality is, it is not producing what it was created and designed to produce because it's not planted. And your life can look the same way. You can have seasons and cycles where it seems like everything's going great and, and your life is together and it seems pleasant. But at the end of the day, until you get planted in the presence of God, until you get planted around the things of God, you will not produce what God designed you and created you to produce. You can't do it. And we know this, like in every stage of life, we know that we have to be planted. In school, some of us, or some of you, if you were military, you grew up and you had to go to a lot of different schools and it was difficult. Because every time you change, you're, you're changing teachers, you're changing culture. I understand a little bit of that because I moved to several different schools in several different states and had different requirements for graduation. And so I get to one school and they're like, well, this is our requirements for graduation. So I start working on that. We move again and it was difficult. It's certainly true in college. Like if you're just gonna keep transferring all over the place, it's gonna be very difficult for you to finish your degree. And here's the bottom line. You can have all the talent in the world, but all, if all you're doing is transferring from here to there or going into the transfer portal, it doesn't matter how much talent you have, you're still not gonna have a good basketball team because good basketball teams take consistency. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because your roots aren't anywhere. You gotta be grounded. You've gotta have roots. It's the same in jobs. If you're changing jobs every couple of weeks, you're not building a very good resume. You go to get a job and they look at your resume and you have 13 jobs in the last year, they'll be like, hey, we'll call you, okay? We'll call you, this doesn't look great. Relationships is certainly that way. You don't have consistency, you don't have roots. Can you imagine if I just came and I talked to Cody like once and then didn't talk to her for a couple more months? Like we'd never get traction. You can't build anything of fruit in that kind of relationship that's fruitful in that kind of relationship with an every now and then type mentality. Okay, so some people would say, well, I don't have to go to church or be in biblical community to be saved. Well, I don't have to go home to be married, but I think it's a pretty good idea. Like if I want my marriage to work out to my benefit, to her benefit, to the glory of God, I'm probably gonna need to spend a significant amount of time at home. Well, it's gonna be the same thing around the things of God. And I understand that seasons can happen where you are uprooted from a place that you thought you were gonna be planted. I get that. 
I know that that can happen even in church life. But God did not design you to stay in a pot, moving from one church to another, pretending to look like everything's together. But as long as you're not planted, it's just going to be a lot of flowers and stuff that seems to smell good, but you're never going to produce eternal fruit. You got to get planted in a church. You got to find a place. And by the way, you're never going to find a perfect place because churches are still led by broken, imperfect people. But you're going to have to find a place and get planted. You're going to have to find biblical community. You're going to have to find your tribe outside of the four walls, your Monday through Saturday. You're going to have to find those people and they won't be perfect. Some of them will be weird and some of them will be messed up. But you got to get planted. But if you'll get planted, you're going to see some fruit and it's going to be eternal. Amen? So John 15, four through eight says, over and over and over again, this word. In the NIV translation, the word remain 10 times in seven verses. 10 times it says remain, remain. In the New King James Version, it uses the word abide. And it means to loiter, to hang around. Have you ever seen those signs, no loitering? No loitering. Well, with Jesus, it's loiter, please. Loiter, please. Your spirit actually knows this on a subconscious level. We'll have a a, a great service and it's anointed and the spirit of God is working and, and it's really hard to just dart out of that space. And people will start just hanging around for a while. It's, it's happened on Sunday mornings. It's happened at night of worship where people just hanging out. They don't wanna leave. We'll have to turn the lights off to get people to go home. And I love that. God created you. He designed you to want to loiter in his presence, to linger in his presence. I had a man on our serve team a couple weeks ago. Uh, I try to go around and just tell people I appreciate them and thank them for serving. And I went, I said, hey man, I appreciate you, thank you. And he stopped me. He said, you need to understand, I love this place. I love this church family. I love being on this property. I love being around my life group. So thank you for thanking me, but you need to understand this blesses me. That man planted and he is producing fruit. So a couple practical notes coming up, a couple ways to get planted, to get planted in this house, to get planted around our church. On the 28th of this month, we're gonna have our membership class, which is called Connect. You may be new around here, or maybe you're not new. You've been around here forever, but you haven't gotten planted. And our Connect class will talk about lots of different ways and places and people that you can put your roots down and start growing and start producing. Our core values, who we are as a church, we're gonna talk about it in that class. And next Sunday, right after service, both services, we're gonna have our life group launch, which is another place that you find people that you put down your roots with, that you grow together. Those are a couple opportunities. Number two, roots must be nurtured. Roots must be nurtured. So back to our main text. I am the true vine. My father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And I think when we read that, it's like, man, that is extreme. Is it? Is it? Because one of the most loving things that's ever happened in my life is when something 
that was not healthy and not right for me got cut away. Anybody who's raising kids, you understand there will come a point where you will have to discipline your child and you won't want to. How many of y'all remember your parents ever saying, this is gonna hurt me a lot more than it's gonna hurt you? How many of y'all remember that? And how many of y'all said, give me the paddle, we'll see, big boy, okay? I would suggest not trying that. I would suggest not trying that. But it's true. Because you realize in that moment, it's like, man, this, I hate having to deal with this. I hate having to discipline. But the cruelest thing that any parent can ever do is not discipline their kids when they're acting and demonstrating behavior that doesn't line up with the word of God and who God has created them to do and be. That is one of the most cruel things that we could ever do. And it is a major problem in our culture and it is producing a harvest of destruction in the younger generations. Because the, the devil, quite honestly, but culture will lie to you and say, no, it's loving and caring just to let them be. Let them live their truth. Let them go and do that. Well, their truth, the way they wanna be, if it doesn't line up with truth, this truth, and who God created them to be, it'll be the most destructive lifestyle that they have ever seen in their life. And at some point, they're gonna be totally happy, but somewhere down the road, they're gonna be broken and empty and without joy and without peace and without hope. Don't love people that way. That's cruel. You gotta speak the truth in life, and if they're your kids, sometimes, you may have to spank a bottom every once in a while to get them lined out if you want them to produce the right fruit. Sometimes God's gonna cut some stuff off and then sometimes it seems like, man, things are going good. And he says, no, I'm gonna prune you. I'm like, yeah, but God, look, it's going good. And he's gonna say, yeah, and it can be even better. Can you trust me? Can you trust me in the midst of you having all these good things going on that it's time to cut back some of those good things so you can have great things? I'm gonna prune some things out of your schedule. I'm gonna prune some things out of your calendar. I'm gonna prune some things out of your entertainment. I'm gonna prune some things out of your life so that you can produce more, more fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if you will let me take care of, be a part of nurturing your roots, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing in your life Your roots need attention. You can nurture your roots in a few different ways. One way, you have to address the weeds in your life. I said weeds, not weed, although weed might be something you need to address in your life. I don't know. But weeds are the things that are designed to choke out, that put a stranglehold on your giftings, your callings, but they also steal the health. When you have weeds, they are taking nutrients from what's supposed to be planted there. And in your life, those weeds will take away from the things of God in your life. This could be emotional things like worry and bitterness that'll produce anger and anxiousness. Could be spiritual things like doubt, offense, even offense towards God or fear. At the end of the day, some things must be rooted out of your life. I remember at one point growing up, my dad, my brother and I, we were asked by a friend to help get rid of this bush that was growing in the, the, the planter at the front of his house. It was right by his deck and this bush was huge and he had tried to cut it down a few times but he never dealt with the roots and so it just kept growing back. 
And so we go over there, and in true Bennett form, my dad's like, my dad doesn't have a country accent, but, he, you know, he kicks into it like I do sometimes. Like, well, I'm just going to hook my F-250 Ford diesel truck up to that sucker and rip it right out. We broke three chains trying to do that. And then we got a strap that wouldn't break, and the truck just couldn't pull it out. So then we have to start digging. And then we have to start cutting and digging. Long story short, it took five men and two trucks to get the roots of that bush out of that planter. And if we hadn't, it was going into the foundation of this man's house. It was breaking things up and creating damage. And I'll tell you, the scene, it was spectacular. Like it was definitely one of those hold my beer, watch this type moments, all right? Everybody in Arkansas would have been proud of us because it, it, was, it was a YouTube moment for sure. The point is this. There are some things in your life, there are some roots in your life that have gone down so deep and have been there so long, you can't get them out by yourself. And you are gonna need the power of the Holy Spirit exercised and demonstrated through brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes to identify those roots and help you dig them up and rip them out so that they stop damaging the foundation of who you are. You're gonna need that sometimes. You have to deal with those. We could talk about a lot of things that the Father uses to prune us, to take care of those different roots and weeds and things that shouldn't be there. But I feel like it's proper that we talk about one of the primary ways, and that is through prayer and fasting. That is one of the ways the Lord in my own personal life, he's used that to help prune me, <laughs> to help identify weeds and things in my life almost more than anything else. So I want, to, I want to answer some questions. First of all, why do we fast? Spiritual fasting is a discipline for believers with the goal of drawing closer to God. A biblical way to say it is it's restricting food for spiritual purpose. And fasting always does two things. It strengthens your spirit and it weakens your flesh simultaneously. And we need that. Every single one of us. We need our spirit to have an opportunity to get stronger while simultaneously suppressing our flesh so that our spirit can grow so that we'll be more sensitive to our spirit than we're driven by our flesh. So let me describe it this way. We fast from things and we fast for the things of God. So we fast from things. We set aside food or other things so that we can fast for the things of God. We set aside things so we can have more time and more energy and more focus on the things that God would have for us. Okay, so over the years, we've, we've encouraged you, like there's a lot of things you can fast, okay? Social media, a lot of things that are not food related. And I would encourage you, in addition to all the technical, social media, entertainment, all those things, add a food element, but more specifically, Add a food element that you are very accustomed to having on a daily basis. So accustomed that you feel like you need it. Like you don't understand. If I don't have this, everyone will hate me. This is a part of who I am. And that is probably the very thing that you need to consider fasting because there needs to be this point of tension where you say, man, I want this. I'm thinking about this. And in that moment you say, yes, I want that badly. But you know what I need even more? I need more of Jesus. 
And I need more of his presence. And I need to hear his voice. And I need his direction. And I need his anointing in my life. And so if it takes me getting rid of my double mocha, triple shot, 500 grams of sugar drink from some coffee shop to get more of Jesus, then I'll do it. I'll do it. And every time I feel the need and every time I feel that desire to go and get that, I'm gonna stop in that moment and say, yeah, I want that. I just want God more. And he'll be faithful and he'll show up. Who is fasting for? It's just for the super spiritual people, right? Like some of y'all thinking, Pastor James, you go. You go, boy. I think you and the rest of your staff and your prayer team and Miss B should all fast. Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you for standing in the gap and suffering so that we can be closer to God. No, that's not what the word says. It says in Matthew 6, 16, it starts with this word, when, everybody say when, when you fast, don't look sober like the hypocrites do, for they just disfigure their faces and show men that they're fasting. And I've seen this too, and it's ridiculous, okay? I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when, everybody say when, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. All that saying is, make it clear and obvious you're just living life. The oil on your head, it helped them with odor. It helped them see that, hey, they've taken care of themselves, okay? And they've washed their face. A lot of the religious people that would fast, they'd put dust and ash on their heads and they'd wear dirty clothes and they'd literally wear it all over their faces so that everybody could see that they were fasting, okay? Don't get religious and legalistic with this. If somebody knows, because some of you are like, well, you've already received your reward, Pastor James, because you told the whole world you're fasting. That's not the point. I'm not doing it to be impressive. I'm doing it to get closer to God. If it's about you and about attention on you, that's where you would be missing it. But if it's simply about you doing something so that you can get more of God, you don't need to go around telling everybody. You don't need to go around blasting how hard it is and how much you're fasting, just make it about you and God. But if somebody finds out you're fasting and you may have to tell somebody at some point, you know, your family's probably gonna need to know if they're gonna keep eating normal stuff and you're not. Like, you know, if you're not eating your wife's cooking and she don't know why, that's probably gonna create some issues. But it's the motive. It's the intent, but the point of this is, it says when, not who. So it's talking about all believers. Jesus didn't say, hey, when the super spiritual people fast, when the really good Christians fast. No, it says when you. It's talking about all believers. What do I fast? I would encourage you to, to fast from something. Uh, we would call it a selective fast. Okay, so here's a couple of examples. You may pick a few things that you're not gonna eat during the course of this week, maybe bread or sweets or fast food, okay? I, I would suggest that for many of us, it wouldn't hurt us to drive past Sonic for a week instead of into Sonic for a week. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now, okay? Or specific fast, like Daniel fast, okay? Which is fruits and vegetables and nuts, okay? Another fast would be a Jewish fast, which is essentially it's one meal every afternoon. The way that they would do it, 
they would eat a meal right before sunset. But it would be one meal a day, and then they wouldn't eat until the, next, the same time the next day. Okay, that's one of the hardest fasts you can do because your metabolism never slows down. You eat a meal, and you're like, man, I'm still hungry, <laughs> all right? But, hey, sometimes because of that hunger, man, you really get close to the Lord because you're thinking about that hunger a lot. So it's like, but why am I hungry? Because I'm trying to get more from the Lord. Those are a couple of ideas. Here's the plan, just so you know. I wanna cover this really quickly. Obviously, there's some weather coming in tonight. We may get one inch, we might get seven feet. We don't know, all right? It's Arkansas, anything can happen. But the percentages are looking like we're at least gonna get some amount of snow. And I just know you people, and I love you. And I'm actually really surprised. We've had pretty full services this morning. Y'all didn't let a little bit of cold keep you from Jesus. And I'm proud of you for doing that, okay? But as soon as snow comes in, y'all, you people lose your brains, okay? It is over. It's like, oh my God, we're all gonna die. I'm gonna buy milk. I'm gonna buy bread. Why? We don't know. We don't know, but that's what we do. We're gonna do it. And it's gonna be gone. There will be no more in the whole city. And we're just gonna drink a lot of milk. We need a lot of bread for the next few days. It's funny. I, I love y'all people, but it's funny, okay. Uh, but because of all that, hello, well, rabbit, uh, we're adjusting some things, starting with tonight. We're not gonna have our night of worship and our baptisms tonight with the weather coming in. We are moving that to Wednesday night. Same time here, night of worship, baptism, Wednesday night, okay? Stay tuned because we don't know what the roads are gonna look like and if we get a lot of snow and there's still packed snow on all the roads, I don't want anybody driving in it. It is an ice rink. It's, it would be dangerous, okay? But as it stands right now, we're gonna move tonight to Wednesday night and then for tomorrow morning, remember we were gonna gather here at the church at 6 a.m. and 8.30 for times of, of prayer and worship and devotion for tomorrow morning, Monday morning and Tuesday morning, we're putting those online Okay, so we're gonna be on our Facebook page, New Life Church uh, Cabot Facebook page. It'll be on there at the same times, 6 a.m., 8.30. There'll be a devotion. There'll be some worship that we're gonna put on there with Ethan. Uh, and then we're just gonna give you the chance to spend that time at, at, at your house. Some of you are like, I got little kids in my house. You don't understand. This is not gonna work. Okay, well, this is gonna give you a chance to get closer to Jesus, okay? You really will have to exercise this thing, all right? But that's what we're gonna do, at least for Monday and Tuesday, and then we'll just see where we're at. But stay tuned to that, because we'll update you if we adjust or move anything else, all right? So I just wanna let you know, that is the plan. Last thing is this, and then we'll dismiss. Roots must be protected. The most valuable things in your life you're gonna protect. I got to go to the National Archives with our family a couple summers ago, and we got to see the Constitution. It is under almost an inch thick bulletproof glass in a titanium case. Now they actually dim the lights. It's so dark in there, you can barely move around, but they dim the lights because they, they, they are gathering that even the lights in there may be damaging that document and they don't wanna take the chance. It is under guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why? It's valuable. You protect the things that are valuable to you. Has anybody got a candy stash or a dark chocolate stash somewhere in their house that they got hidden away? And they don't want anybody to see it, all right? Some of y'all are not gonna raise your hand and be like, my kid's in here, I don't want them to even know it exists. Because then they start looking for it. But some of y'all, you've been in your kid's room. You ever clean your kid's room and you find their stash? It's their candy, not from last Halloween, but the Halloween before that. It's two years old, it's petrified, but they're still trying to eat it at night. You do that kind of stuff because you protect what is valuable. 
The word says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk, corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. It's talking about the gates of your life. The gates of your life are like the branches of your life, okay? You receive through your branches, but whatever you receive through your branches goes down to your roots. And your roots, it's your heart. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight forward. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Above all else, guard your heart because that's where your roots are. And it shows us how much damage can happen when you don't protect your heart. Abraham went on to have a son named Isaac. And God's hand was on him as well. God promised Abraham that he was gonna bless his son Isaac. And the same favor, after Abraham died, Isaac had to lead his own family and Isaac started building his career, but he ran into conflict. Other people started edging in on his property, on him and destroying the water wells that his father had made that was gonna water his herds. And, and ultimately in that part of the world, if you don't have water, you don't, you're not prosperous. But people started coming in and, taking, and doing these things. The, the, the Hebrew words that are used is opposition, disputes, Stress. Anybody relate to any of those words? And it says that as those things were coming in, it says that Isaac had to figure out how to solve this. And it says he remembered back to Abraham. He remembered what daddy did. And what he did, and the difference between what happened to Lot and what happened to his dad. And how God gave his dad favor. And in Genesis 26, it says Isaac built an altar of his own and settled there. He remembered I gotta get back to the presence of God. I've gotta get back to a place of worship. I've gotta get back to a place where I live sacrificially. I gotta get back to a place where my trust is not in myself and my own abilities or the economy or the next president, that my hope and my trust is in God and God alone. And I'm gonna build an altar and I'm gonna settle there and every day I'm gonna see it and it's gonna remind me where my source is and who my source is. You see, the roots that you have, there's a legacy to them. The roots that you have are not just for you, they're for your kids and grandkids. But if you establish those roots around the things of God, they'll be there. And some of you might have a kid or two right now where they're going crazy. They're not, a, they're not around the things of God. Well, this is what I will say. If at any point in their life there were seeds from the word of God sown and planted in their life, there is some root system there. And God is faithful and God can still get to them and God can still get a hold of those roots and still produce something in their life. He still has a plan, he still has a purpose. You see, Samson, he lost all of his calling, all of his anointing and all of his power because he got too closely planted to the world in the form of a lady named Delilah and got manipulated to and lied to, and she cut his hair, and that was a covenant that represented his relationship with the Lord. He lost everything, but guess what? The roots were still there, and eventually that hair regrew. And you know, Samson was able to accomplish in the last moments of his life more for the kingdom of God and his true calling in God than he'd accomplished his whole life 
because the roots were still there. So some of you might feel like you don't understand, Pastor, I have done way too much to mess my roots way up. I've messed it up. But God can still get a hold of those roots and make them grow again and make them produce something. As long as you'll surrender them to him. As long as you come back and say, Holy Spirit, identify every weed that I've allowed to grow up. Identify every area that I've allowed myself to be planted too closely to the things of this world. Identify and expose every secret sin, everything that I've opened my branches up to that have gone from there into my heart and are now producing fruit that doesn't glorify you. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And if you will do that, then it's just the beginning of you being able to grow and produce fruit again. Amen? Close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, thank you for that revelation in each one of us personally. I pray that you would reveal every area where there's been weeds or different things that are growing in. God, I pray that every person in here would commit themselves to this time, this next week, where you can nurture, cultivate, prune, Cut away anything that needs to be pruned and cut away as we fast and seek your face. But if there's anybody here that you would recognize like, no, my roots, I'm not connected to the vine. I'm not connected to Jesus. I'm out on my own. And the word says that the only way to the Father is through the Son. More specifically, it's you coming to a place where you surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender, not, not I believe in God. Yeah, I believe that Jesus lived. No, it's you recognizing that you're lost and you're broken, that Jesus paid the price for your sin. And then it's you saying, I'm not gonna live life for myself. I'm gonna surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you'd recognize that you need to do that right now, then I wanna give you an opportunity to admit it, just to confess it. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to you and I just wanna give you a chance to respond to him as a physical act and representation of you admitting that you need Jesus. I want you to put your hand up right now. As soon as we make eye contact and put your hands down, yes, yes. Who else? I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Who else? Okay, got it. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to be planted in his house. I'm ready to find my roots and my identity in Christ and Christ alone. I got you. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. I got you. Anyone else? Okay. Father God, thank you. I pray that your spirit would come and meet with every person that's just raised their hand. God, I pray that they would sense the manifested presence of who you are, even there, even now that overwhelming sense of your mercy and your grace, that conviction that's drawing them to a place of turning and repenting. If you raise your hand, I want you just to say this simple prayer. 
Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I come to you now. I surrender my life. I surrender my life. I repent. I turn away from living the way I want to live. I want to live for you. I believe, Jesus, that you rose from the grave, defeating death so that I can have the hope of heaven, defeating the power of sin so that even when I make mistakes, I can repent and be free. I can be forgiven, that I can find your mercy new every day. I give my life to you. I wanna live my purpose, my calling for you for the rest of my life. If you made that decision, you need to go public with it. You need to declare that you're a Christ follower. Tell somebody as soon as you can, but a little bit of the good news of us moving our night of worship and moving baptism is there's still even more time for people to sign up. And I'd encourage you, that's a great way for you to go public with your faith is through water baptism. And I encourage you to do that. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to, to contrast and look at where we are in relation to your word, in relation to what your spirit is speaking. And I thank you, Lord, you give us the grace to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.